Welcome to the Surviving Second Gen Podcast, where we candidly discuss the mental health impacts of being a second generation immigrant in America. I'm your host, Jennifer Ippolit, a Haitian American child of two immigrant parents, as well as a licensed mental health counselor. My hope is that this podcast leaves you feeling heard, understood, and empowered to apply tangible takeaways that can help you navigate all the things that come with being second gen. All right, welcome to episode, I believe this is episode 15. It has to be, yeah. Episode 15 of the Surviving Second Gen Podcast. I'm your host, as always, right? Not No surprise, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, we're 15 episodes in. I'm just thinking about that as I'm speaking that we're 15 episodes in. So I feel really good about that. I'm just pat myself on the back. 15 episodes consistently every week. I'm dropping bangers after bangers for y'all. You know, you know, I'm just saying, yeah, I got to big up the consistency, okay? I'm bigging myself up. But anyways, if you're here, thank you again for joining me for another episode of this podcast. And today we're going to get right into it. We're going to talk about critical immigrant parents, Okay. Um, because a lot of us have them, um, still traversing, uh, life with them. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just not abnormal to have immigrant parents that are also very critical. And, um, I work with individuals who have critical Um, immigrant parents who they grew up with and who are still dealing with it. Um, and I, I, I just, I understand, (laughs) I understand. Um, you know, for the most part, immigrant parents, they have these expectations that are very high. Um, and it's understandable, um, especially coming from the background that they come from, the, uh, the expectations that were placed on them. Um, they have those same expectations or even higher for their children. And then considering the fact that they're in a country, right, that is not their own, that exceeds that expectation. If it was there, it's there on another level for their children who, um, many times they want to do as well, if not better than they did. So there's so many things that create this um, uh, fusion of uh, ideas for a second generation, for immigrant parents to be super, super critical um, towards their children, um, second generation immigrants. And it's hard because the... I think as a second generation immigrant, you you understand, right? You understand where your parents are coming from. I don't think there was a day that I didn't understand um, that my parents did something that was amazing, something that was extraordinary, something that 
they are fighting to make sure that I um, reap the benefits of. So there wasn't a day that I didn't understand that. Um, but I think, or I know as a child, um, there were certain expectations that were placed on me that shouldn't have been placed on me. There was criticism that was given to me that shouldn't have been given to me because I was a child. Okay. So, um, as children, there are things that you learn through development, um, to be able to do. So in different stages of your life, you learn these things. And the way to learn these things is for uh, your parents to allow you to make mistakes, right? So you're not going to learn these things by just waking up and then the next day you've hit this milestone and you know how to do it. It's being able to try it and mess up and try it again to actually learn how to stick to that thing, that milestone, that, um, that, you know, capability, you have to be able to try it, do it and try it again to, for it to stick. But what happens a lot of times in immigrant households is there is no room for error, right? So you do that one thing and your parent is like, why did you do it? Why did you do that? Why did you do it that way? You didn't do it well enough. You need to actually figure out why you do this that way. That's wrong. You, uh, If you don't do it right the next time, there's going to be a punishment. So there is no room for error. What does that do for a child who is constantly being criticized for everything that they do as a child? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you, um, studies have shown that children with highly critical parents tend to suffer from anxiety and depression at higher levels or are more susceptible to dealing with anxiety and depression. And when you think about it, it makes sense. Where's that anxiety coming from? Being um, uncertain what is right and what is wrong and if you're doing okay if you're not doing okay again especially as a child when you don't know everything yet right so you don't know everything yet but you're being placed in situations constantly where you're being made to believe that you should know this and you should know that because you were never given a chance to actually make that mistake Whew. <laughs> like that is a lot that is a lot to think that I'm, as I'm thinking about it, like, to think that I'm being made to um, believe that I should act as an adult, act mature, right, at this particular age, when I haven't even been given the tools to get to that point of maturity. So it's constantly going to make you question, am I mature enough? Like, What's wrong with me? Why am I messing up? Why don't I know what it is that I'm doing? Um, and I, it's, it's unfortunate because it goes back to the stages of development and making sure that for that child to be successful as an adult, they have to go through these stages as a child that allow them to hit these different milestones that show that they are mature, they can be independent, 
They can handle certain situations. And if that doesn't happen as a child and they grow up to be an adult with some some issues, some difficulties, um, it's hard because if you are a... Um, if you are a child of immigrants who was constantly being criticized by parents, you grow up to be this adult who might be fighting or battling a lot of anxiety because of uncertainty. And you can really, it can really be difficult for you to trust yourself. So, um, you know, as if you're a child and you're given the opportunity to mess up, re you know rework the situation, do it in a in a better way, and then succeed, then you're like, oh, I can do this, right? Like, I know how to do this. But if you never got that chance, then when you grow up and you get older, it's hard to believe that huh, what I'm thinking is good enough is actually good enough, right? Um, And it could be, like, good enough in, like, my self-worth, which happens. Like, uh, you grow up to be this adult who questions whether or not you are good enough as a person because you were constantly put down to make make you feel like, ah, there's something wrong here, there's something wrong there. There was never, like, you are okay just how you are in the way you were made, uh, regardless of whatever. But then, you know, when you think about it, like you weren't, you, you weren't given the chance to show up in the way that would allow that parent to see that you are better than. It's from a very young age. It's like, this is not good enough. This is not good enough. This is not good enough. So yeah, that tends to follow you into this adult that makes you feel think that maybe my self-worth as a person isn't enough, but also my um, ability to believe that what I'm doing is good enough. You can tend to be super critical of yourself um, because that's, that's all you were faced with, right? Was being, um, being told that, hey, this may not be the right thing that's not the right thing. That's not the right thing. So your inner voice begins to be this critic, a critic of everything that you do, a critic of everything that you do on a level that is like tenfold. It's not just, um, it's not trying to just do the best. It's trying to outdo the best. Um, and sometimes you're, you are your own worst critic. Um, but that just makes me, um, I don't know, that just makes me think about just how, how difficult it is for, uh, for us as children of immigrants to grow up and um, just deal with making mistakes and being okay with making a mistake. Like, I know for myself, I find it so hard to mess up on anything. Like, if I mess up, I just am like, my self-talk really becomes, it becomes bad. And I have to check myself because I'm like, girl, like, where, why, why? It's okay. Like, yes, you know, you, 
you you drop this like bowl of food, it's okay, life will go on. But when you think to I was a child who dropped that bowl of food and was told like how could you be so this, 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 and this, then yeah, I can understand how I grew up to be this adult who drops that bowl of food and tells myself, how could you be so this, 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 and this, you know? Um, because it's it's simple things like that, right? That developmentally, a four-year-old dropping a plate of food is something that four-year-olds do, right? But if a parent doesn't have the skill to be able to um, understand that and correct that behavior, or not even correct, but empathize with that behavior and help them um, uh, just work through the fact that they made a mistake, then the opposite happens. Um, that parent is upset that that child made that mistake and criticizes them for that mistake and doesn't help them work through um, the consequences of that mistake, right? So it doesn't help them work through the fact that because they dropped this bowl of spaghetti, there's you know tons of sauce on the floor that they have to clean up and... Um, you know, the bowl is broken into pieces. Um, if it's like a, I don't know, like a, you know, a, a bowl that can break um, and that has to be cleaned up. Um, it becomes a, you know, uh, uh, a, a telling them, a pointing the finger at them for doing that thing and pointing the finger at them for the consequences of that thing and pointing the finger of, of them of how they need to take care of that thing. When, again, developmentally, a four-year-old doesn't understand all of that, that context. You have to help them understand that context. Um, but if our parents didn't have the tools to help us understand that context, they carried that frustration and projected it onto you as a child. Um, which is unhealthy. It's unhealthy. And there's levels to it, you know? There's levels to it where, again, it's like a parent not having the tools and doing this, and it's unhealthy, and it's a cycle that continues, you know, in all aspects. It's not just dropping the bowl, but it's school, it's friendships, it's family relationships, sibling, um, um, sibling um, situations, right? So it just pours into all these things that again makes that child question if anything they're doing is right um but it can be you know other more intense levels that can be abusive you know it depends on how um harsh the criticism is how because a lot of time with criticism there's a control factor too a lot of parents that are critical they're also controlling um and that can uh go into the lines of abuse whether emotional abuse and for some people physical abuse um so there's people that have really really dealt with that um criticism and how it's affected them on a variety of levels um and I don't ever want to 
I don't ever want to uh, talk in extremes in, you know, making it seem like uh, the criticism is just simply abuse and that's the label or it's not. Um, There's a lot of gray in it, you know, Um, and it, it depends on it depends on a lot of factors. Again, you know, the intent behind it. Um, how it's done, um, how the person received it, that can help um, really uh, determine what it is, you know, what what the, the label is. So again, it's not always abuse, but it can be. And sometimes it can be uh, 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 a catalyst for other mental health issues as adults um, for the children. Sometimes um, it, it uh, creates relationship issues within the dynamics of the household. I mean, there's even research that shows that when parents are critical, um, oftentimes uh, the child has sibling issues. So they have issues in being able to um, work through sibling conflict. Um, so that's a... a, 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 a uh, a con or um, the the bad side of that happening, right? So that's what I'm saying. Like, there's so many ways that it can affect different people, you know. So if you're an only child, you may not have that sibling issue, but it can definitely show up in your adulthood and how you manage adult relationships. Um, for all people, whether they have siblings or not. Um, a lot of times attachment issues come up, which, which we talked about before in, you know, not being able to know how to properly regulate your emotions in relationships with other people. Um, because, yeah, if we're dealing with critical parents who create anxiety, who create depression in a, a child and they haven't been able to work through that, then, of course, that anxiety and those depressive moods can affect how they relate to other people in relationships, right? Like, that's a given. So, um, yeah, I say that to say that it's it's very much a, it's a spectrum, you know? Um, some people may deal with some of these symptoms and um, repercussions of a critical parent, and some people um, don't, you know? Uh, but ultimately it's not healthy. That's what I can say is that having a parent who's super critical is not healthy to the well-being of a child. It's not, uh, fruitful. It doesn't amount to helping the child, um, to do better. Ultimately, overall, it doesn't create a foundation for that child to have a good sense of self. And a good sense of understanding of who they are and um, how to overcome a lot of situations. Um, because a lot of times a child who is who hasn't criticized a lot as a, a child. So a lot of times when a child is criticized so much in their childhood, they end up being adults who are just uncertain uncertain a lot about a lot of things uncertain about um a lot of their capabilities um and it may take that child who is now an adult longer to really settle into 
what it is that they're capable of doing. But I want to say, though, one thing about having critical parents as a second generation immigrant is that I see that children who deal with these kind of parents as adults, they have a level of self-awareness that a lot of people do not have. And that is a pro. That is a positive. Because not everybody has self-awareness in general. Um, so the self-awareness is just being able to know what's going on um, within you, um, how things impact you, um, you know, how, how you deal with certain things. It's just, again, being very much aware of yourself. And again, that's not a skill that everybody has. Um, it takes certain situations and ways of being taught that to learn that. Now, I'm not saying go and have toxic parents so you can be self-aware, but I'm saying that that's actually a positive that comes out of having super critical parents is that there is nothing that you can tell me about myself that I don't already know about me. Like, all facts. Like, I, there's, like, literally, there's nothing that you could tell me about me that I don't already know, you know? And I think that's so useful when you are going into all different types of environments, um, whether it's work environment, whether, um, you know, it's a relationship context, it's just good to be self-aware. Now, sometimes you have to reel it in because it can become an over-analyzing type of situation, which you don't want to do because that can just build up more anxiety and make you more just like more on edge. But when I tell you my self-awareness has been a positive in my life and it's um, it's helped me be okay in so many situations versus, uh, you know, not being okay or versus other people who don't have that level of self-awareness. It's like, I know how to show up in different environments, if that makes sense. Like, I am aware of myself and how I impact spaces. And I think, again, that's powerful. Um, no matter what line of work you're in, it's powerful. But for me specifically in the work that I do, I, um, I feel like it's, it's been a blessing to be able to be self-aware and know how I impact the people that I interact with, right? Because I interact with people on a very personal level. Like I'm dealing with people who are telling me sometimes their deepest, darkest thoughts and beliefs. Um, and I have to be able to take that in, process it. Um, with my body and with my mind, but like when I say my body, but just like my body language, how it shows up. And that's something that I've always been fascinated with, um, learning about body language and how, you know, 80% of conversation is that, um, 
in the line of work I do, I have to be so super aware of how I show up because how I show up has to be, you know, inviting. It has to be open. It has to be receptive. It has to be, um, you know, kind. So it, it takes a lot to be able to do that. Again, not everybody has that level of self-awareness. Um, but when I see, um, when I see children of immigrants in the line of work that they do, whatever line of work it is that they do, they do it at a, at a level that is just unprecedented. Like they do it at a level that is just like no other, like children of immigrants do the work that they do in a way that you just, you can't question it, you know? And again, maybe they question it in their own minds because that inner voice is following them and telling them that they're not doing it good enough, but they are. They're doing it more than good enough. They're doing it more than well enough. And that's something that I... I want children of immigrants to remember is, well, first I want you to think when you, when that inner voice is talking to you, I want you to think, who is that inner voice? Where is that inner voice coming from? Right? Because we, a lot of times we have this inner voice that's telling us things and you have to question it. Like, who's telling me this? Who's telling me that I am not supposed to be here or I don't fit into this situation or I'm not completing this task well enough. I am dumb or inadequate or uh, just um, whatever negative self-talk that we have that's carrying that we carry around with us that creates this inner voice. Question it. Ask where it's coming from. Is it coming from that critical parent or parents that you had that was always telling you that something was off? If it is, then know that that does not determine who you are, right? Because if it was coming from a parent, again, who was criticizing everything you do, especially as a child who had a lot to learn and you weren't given the chance to learn, those things you weren't given a chance to mess up then that inner voice isn't quite accurate right so what is accurate about you shift it what is accurate about you sure you may mess up sometimes that's normal but also you're brilliant <laughs> you know how to do this that you're doing um you are willing to learn, so you know how to learn to do this. Um, you know, you're not inadequate. You have the skills to do what it is that you need to do. Tell yourself these things because that's what's going to help you shift that inner voice and remember that the one that's telling you all these no's, no's, can'ts, it isn't the real voice. It isn't the voice that is true for you. So it's time now to find your inner voice. So it's time to find the inner voice that will help you attain what it is that you need to attain in life and also help you feel safe and secure in who you are. 
confident in your abilities, confident in being able to uh, work through things, confident to be able to make a mistake but get back up from it, confident to keep pushing although there are barriers. That's the inner voice that you need to get you through the rest of your life. So the inner voice that you had as a child that you carried up until this point, you probably don't need it anymore. So it's time to find a new inner voice. That's what I task you with. (laughs) Um, Finding that inner voice for you that will help you get to where you need to get to moving forward and understanding that, um, yes, you had parents that made you question yourself possibly, but that doesn't mean that you have to uh, question yourself for the rest of your life. You can build yourself back up and trust who you are and your capabilities to be at a different place than you are today. So thank you again for tuning in to the Surviving Second Gen podcast. If nothing else, I will see you all at the next one. Bye. If you found today's episode valuable or this podcast as a whole, I invite you to leave a five-star review and also leave a comment letting others know what you gain from this episode. This allows for our podcast to gain more visibility and for it to reach the people that want to hear this information. Also, we invite you to engage in the comments on the YouTube page, Surviving Second Gen Podcast, so we can continue this rich conversation that we're having today.